like, where do we come from? Like, what are the origins? Have you, have you asked those questions? Maybe you've never asked them in that, in that sense, but I remember asking my dad, Dad, do we come from monkeys? Do we come from monkeys? And he's like, do you look like a monkey? Like, I ain't no monkey. He goes, well, you don't come from a monkey. I said, but Dad, some people say we come from monkeys. They said, well, those who believe they come from monkeys, they look like monkeys. I was going, I ain't no monkey. So, you know, whatever you believe, you know, it's like, what is the origin? We are going to ask these questions. In fact, we're gonna, we could have asked all these questions. Where do we come from? Why am I here? Do I just get up every day, eat my lunch, go home, and that's it? Is that, is that my purpose? Uh, but I'm here to tell you that God has a purpose for your life. That God wants you to begin to, to use what you have, to start where you are and do all that you can. God's purpose are good for your life. And last week we had Mike Cook. He launched us. He launched into asking that question, what is our origin? That you are designed by an intelligent designer. That God knows your name. You're not some kind of, uh, some kind of meat bag uh, full of chemicals. You're more than that. You're, God, when God designed you, he knew what he was doing when he created you. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. And when he made you, he broke the mold. He said, there's no one else like, 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 uh, like my daughter, like my son. He loves you. He knows you. By name, I love that song we sang. When we're singing up there, I kind of imagined I'm like this, this, this black gospel singer, and, uh, and then, but then, then it stops there. Then I just kind of move on, you know. <clears throat> just let my wife sing, and so that's kind of cool. But we kind of ask all these kind of questions, like where do we come from? And, and so today, where, where are we going? So we, if God created us, and we have a purpose, so where am I going? Where am I going? And, and to begin to answer that question, we're going to kind of lay down the foundation Way back in Genesis, and, and I kind of launched this in week one, right in the garden. When, when God made man, when he made, when he made Adam, when he made mankind, he, he kind of set in motion three things. And the first thing is he created us with a mind, with an intellect, so that we may know God. And he created us emotions so we may love God. And, he, and by putting woman, uh, giving us woman, one of the greatest creation, he said, you know what, it's not good for man to live alone. They would have no idea what to wear the next day. So he created woman so, so we have this emotion so we can love God. And he gave us this mind of intellect, of knowledge. And, and so can you imagine creation? Like he said, okay, okay. So he said to Adam, Adam was like, I don't know what he's doing. He's like, Maybe throwing rocks through the water, I don't know. And, and God's back here, and he, and he just goes to Adam. He goes, Adam. Or, or maybe God just goes, hey, because there was no one else. It was just Adam, hey. And, and Adam goes, yeah, yeah, hey, 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 God, hey, good to see you. And, and he's like, hey, hey, hey Adam, I, I, want, I want you. You can name the animals. And, and Adam goes, really? Well, he got kind of excited, and this kind of, this kind of four-legged, big, roundish animal came walking by, and over here was this angel. He's recording, writing down the name, waiting. Hmm, I wonder what God's creation, this, this, this masterpiece, I wonder what he's going to say. I wonder what kind of intellect he has. And so the, all creation is waiting for man to name the first animal. He looks at the animal, and God's waiting. Like he's pretty proud, like, I'm creating a man of intellect. And, he, and, and, and Adam goes, Hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. And the angel's like, Wow, dang, where do you get that from? And he goes, and he's like, how do you spell that? Oh, it doesn't matter because it's, it's just the first words. So, you know, so have all these, these things. So he created a mind with a, well, create a man of an intellect so we may, may know God, created from emotions so we love God. But then God puts this, this tree in the middle of the garden. He says, you can eat all the other trees. You can eat the mangoes and whatever, drink the coconuts and whatever. Or you can eat whatever you want, except for this tree right here. You cannot eat. From this tree, it's the tree of prohibition. 
You can eat everything else except for this tree. And the reason why God created a tree, put it in, put it in the garden so that man can exercise one of the greatest gifts that God gave us was our will. Where we have, we're free to choose or free to disobey God. We can choose to obey God or disobey God, right? And so right there, so he puts this tree of prohibition in the garden. And then the Bible tells us about the devil, the father of lies. He kind of snakes his way up to man. To, and he begins to convince man to, to, to disobey, to convince man to begin to live independent of the banker, independent of the creator. And so man, man did eat of that tree. And because he ate of that tree, Genesis chapter 3 tells us that, that sin and death entered the world. In fact, and the land was cursed. We live in a cursed world, right from Genesis chapter 3, right there in the beginning. So I really believe that, that since that time until today, that the father of lies, the devil, that snake, that, 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 that sneaky uh, serpent is still trying to do what he did way back then, and that is to lie to man, to convince man, and especially lie about our eternity. Now, if I was the devil, if I was the devil, I, I, like, I will convince you that hell doesn't exist. I'll convince you that hell doesn't exist. And, or, or, maybe, or maybe hell's not that bad. And if it's, it'll be a nice place to hang out. Or maybe I'll try to convince you that, 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 that you know, um, that's probably, was that where the devil hangs out and there's a lot of fun? And let me tell you something. The devil does not want to go to hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was a place of destruction. The devil does not want to go there, but he wants to convince you that hell doesn't exist. Or maybe... Maybe it's not that bad because if it can convince you that it doesn't exist, if it can convince you it's not that bad, and then, then you'll have no fear of God. And you'll have no urgency to begin to tell other people about the love of God if you believe that hell doesn't exist or it's not that bad. And the second thing I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll convince you that heaven can wait. That my mind doesn't drift to the things of God. My mind doesn't drift to the, to the, the treasures in heaven. What, what are you talking about? Store up your treasures in heaven. Store up your treasures here on earth. I'll convince you that it's all about you. It's all about what you can get for yourself. It's all about pushing your, yourself. And, and, and it's all about, about what you build in your kingdom. Don't worry about God's kingdom. It's all about your kingdom. Now, if I were the devil, I'll convince you that everyone's going to heaven. Everyone's going to heaven, right? If you ask anybody on the street, if you ask somebody, you know, if you die right now, will you go to heaven? And this is what they're going to say to you. I'm telling you, I've asked so many people this question. They'll say this, well, I've done enough for a mellow puff. I think I've done enough. I've ticked a lot. I've ticked the right boxes. I think, I've, I think I'm good enough. You know what that tells us about us? It tells us that many of us are deceived, for many of us, we think heaven is our default destination, but it's not. Because of our sin, hell is our default destination. And it's only by the grace of God. It's only by accepting the gift that God gave us. And the Bible tells us that God himself steps into his own creation in the fullness of Jesus Christ, a fully man and fully God. And on the cross, he took upon himself the, um, the, uh, the penalty for sin that was, de that was deserved for us. And he took it upon himself and he died for us. And God was satisfied for what Jesus did. And three days later, brings Jesus back to, to life and to resurrection. And the Bible calls this a gift given to mankind. We can choose to accept this gift. I said, that's all good, God, I've got this. Because really, heaven really does, heaven, heaven can wait. 
Or, 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 you know what, I think I'm already going. Do I really need this gift? And so we're deceived. We're deceived. And so to understand the next question, where are we going? To fully understand this question, you know, we really got to ask ourselves, so if God created us, if we have a purpose, then where am I going? And the next verses that I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to share with us this morning, because I believe that these next verses that I'm going to share to you, they're the most profound verses that you will ever read in, the, in Scripture. The most provo- profound scriptures that, 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 you, that, that any book that you ever read. And because I really believe that these next verses that I'm going to share with you, it's, it really is, describes the heart of God. And if you want to know what's on God's heart, these next verses I'm going to share, they're going to blow you away. I hope it does, because it blows me away when I read this. In fact, when I first read these, these verses, it knocked my socks off. And the crazy thing is, I wasn't even wearing socks on at the time. And I still knocked it off. It was crazy. So are you ready to dive into the Word of God this morning? Are you ready? Okay, just hold on to your socks. Hold on. Turn to your name and say, hold on to your socks. Don't, don't worry if you haven't got any, because don't worry, it's still knock it off. So can you please turn with me to the last book of the Bible? It's called the book of Revelations. It may be the last book in the Bible, but it's just the beginning. Just the beginning. Revelations chapter 21, and this is going to be the most profound things you will ever read. Verse 1 to 4. The Bible says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Now when you think about it, you know, when you think about the the most beautiful thing you have ever seen? Have you ever had those moments when you, when you looked at something, maybe a sunrise, maybe a sunset, or maybe you saw something amazing in God's creation, and you thought to yourself, it just can't get better than this. This, this is heaven on earth. Okay. Now, let me tell you something. It can get better than that. Because you've got to understand something. Because remember when, when, when man sinned, when, when uh, sin and death entered the world, the, the world we live in is cursed. It's cursed. And so when we look at this world, we're looking at a world that's under a curse. See, when we're in Tibet, me and Porter were blessed to be in Tibet last year. And we're like in, in high altitude, really high altitude. We looked around and said, wow, this is really heaven on earth. This is the mountains are beautiful. If Peter Jackson knew this existed, he would have made Lord of the Rings in Tibet. That's what we thought. This is truly heaven on earth. Then we went to Queenstown. Oh, what a year we had last year. We went to Queenstown and we went to Milford Sound. We looked around and said, whoa, 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 no, no, no. This is heaven on earth. We live in such a beautiful country, Aotearoa. Beautiful country. I said, no wonder Peter Jackson made Lord of the Rings here. Because this is truly heaven on earth. But I'm here to tell you, it what we have on planet Earth today, even in Aotearoa, it, 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 doesn't even, it doesn't even compare to the new earth and the new heaven because the new earth and the new heaven, the curse has been broken. It's a world where there is no curse. Think about what you're about to see when, you, when you're about to see, when you think about green grass, can you imagine what, what this new earth, it'll be so green, it'll be like, like in high definition. I wish I can describe to you what this new world will be like, but I can't because I'm so ad- inadequate to begin to share to you of what this will be like because all I know is what I see in this fallen world. All I know is what I see in this, in this world that's under a curse. But let me tell you something about what's to come, what God is about to bring, what God is about to do. He's gonna bring something that's gonna knock your socks off. He really is. He's gonna, he's gonna do something amazing. And it goes on and, and it goes on. And there will be no longer any sea. 
No longer any sea, which is bad news if you like fishing. No more sea. No more seafood. No more kaimoana. No more. No. Now, you know, I'm just going to give you a bit of hope. I really believe it's going to be full. It's going to be abundant life. Because when the Bible talks about sea, it's not talking, because sea in the Bible talks about turmoil and chaos. So, God, so when, when this verse is in this Bible, it's talking about there'll be no more chaos. There'll be no more turmoil. There'll be no more trouble. There'll be, there'll be no more murmurs. You know, the world you're going to be, that God is about to bring is going to be wonderful. It's going to be greater than anything you can ever imagine. If, whatever you can imagine, smash that and times that by a million. I wish I could describe to you what this place would look like, but I just can't. It's indescribable. I wish I could, but I can't. And then it goes on. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful, as a beautiful dressed, a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, and let me tell you, these next verse, I don't know if, if you can grasp what these verses mean. Come on, this, these, next, these next words, they're the heart of God. There truly is His heart. And this is what it says. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them. And He will be their God. God will dwell amongst us. I don't know if you can comprehend the, the power of this word, God's heart. You've got to understand, this is the heart of God, that He wants to dwell with you. He knows you by name. He knows everything about you. He knows every tear that you shed. He knows every hardship you've been through. He's laughed with you. He's stood with you. He knows you by name, and He wants to dwell with you. He wants to dwell. Do you understand? that these verses fulfill the greatest dreams of God? Do you understand the power of this verse? Do you understand that God's dream is to be with you? You know, when you have adult children, we've got adult children, we've got grandchildren. And you know, there's some things about my kids that annoy me. In fact, they annoy me a lot. And there was a time when our grandchildren stayed with us. And sometimes that annoyed me. I'd be like walking through the lounge and they would have picked up their toys. But every time, I tell you, Every time I would stand on the one only toy in that whole room, I'll stand on it on my foot, be it a Lego block, be it a car, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I was just thinking, what the heck? And it would drive me nuts. But now our, our, our older kids have moved out. Our grandkids have moved out. Amen. And again, I say amen. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh. Anyway. But let me tell you something. You know, you know what's amazing? You know, now sometimes I... I the things that used to annoy me about the kids are the things that I miss. It's weird. I miss being annoyed. I miss stepping on the things that hurt my foot. I miss them. We, we try to create a, a family tradition. Tra family tradition of doing um, like a family uh, brunch. And so I'll, like, I'll be cooking like two kilos of, uh, of, of the finest bacon and make my secret chicken. And, the, and I'll bring that. And the kids will bring bread. And... Um, <laughs> They'll bring bread. But, but, but you know what? Honestly, I'm, those are one of our greatest moments. We cherish every one of those moments. It is the greatest, and, and it's, it's, it is so good. And, we, and, and I don't mind having toys all over the place. I don't mind that because I miss that. It's funny. What annoyed me doesn't annoy me now. I miss it. 
And let me tell you something. God's greatest dream is to have his family back together. To have his, to have his family. That's his, that's his heart. To have his family back together. Because he wants to dwell with you. He wants to be your God. He wants to live with you. This is his heart. This is his heart. This is what God wants. And then it goes on into, into verse 4. Uh, this blows me away. He, he will wipe away every tear from the eyes. You know, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, in this place, if, 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 what, if whatever saddens you, even if, 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 you, if you're crying, that God Himself will comfort you. God Himself will wipe away your tear. God Himself will be there for you. Yeah. Then it goes on, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order has passed away. Now, have you ever lost someone you love? I mean, you know the pain of losing someone you love. You know the pain. But in this new world, no more death. No more poverty. No more kids or babies dying because of malnutrition. There'll be no more diseases, no more, no more genocide. If you've got no hair, more hair. <laughs> Imagine a world with all these tragedies gone. Gone. This is what heaven will be like. This is where we are heading. We're heading to a place where there's no more death, where there's, where there's no more mourning, where there's no more pain. And God Himself will dwell with us. These verses fulfill the dreams of God. This is God's dream. That He will dwell with you. And you with Him. You know, when you, when you read the Bible, the Scriptures, and get into the Old Testament, and, and, and it's, um, it's, I, find it, I find a bit of humor in it when I read this. And whenever somebody came in the presence of the angel of the Lord, they will think they're going to die. They'll think, oh no, we've seen God's face and we're about to die, but it was just an angel of the Lord. Because in, in, in the Scripture, if the Bible tells us that no one can see the face of God and live. Nobody can. That God's glory is so powerful that you'll be destroyed. In fact, uh, Moses, he says to God, God, let me have a glimpse of you. Can I have a peek? Just a little peek? And God said, you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. That's what he said. And so I said, God, okay, Moses, this is what I want you to do. Go and, go and uh, stuff your face along the side of a mountain. I'll put my hand on you. I'll put my hand on you. And as I fly by, I will allow you just to see the coattails of my glory because that's all you can handle. That's all you can handle. So the next verse that I'm going to share with you is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Am I building this tension nicely? It's mind-blowing. Revelations 22, 3 to 4. No longer will there be any curse. The curse is broken. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and as servants will serve Him, they will see His face. I wish I can describe to you what it'll be like, but I can't. They will see His face. When you see the face of God, when you see His face, you will finally get it. You'll finally realize what He's done for you. And you're going to feel so unworthy. I'm unworthy to look at you. But God said, come on, I'll, come on. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've been with you since the beginning. I made you. I know exactly who you are. You can't hide nothing from me. I love you. I created you. Come on. Come on. Let me hold your hand. 
I'll hold your hand. Come on. And, and, and when you look at his face, you're going you're gonna to look at him and you're, gonna, you're just going to say, you are my salvation. You are my redeemer. You are my provider. You are everything to me. You are my greatest desire. And when we think of that song, Amazing Grace, it, it, it comes, the words of that song have new meaning for you. And, and the words of Amazing Grace go something like this. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, with no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Because when you see the face of God, all you want to do is worship. All you want to worship. God loves you. His greatest dreams, God's greatest dream is for you to dwell with Him, to be with Him. I wish I could describe to you God's heart, but I can't. I wish I could describe to you what this new earth and new heaven will be like, but I can't. But, but I want you to know something. Here's the application. What do I do? How do I apply this into my life? And let me tell you something. This is how you apply it, because what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. What do you believe? Do you, re do you believe that hell's not really that bad? Or do you believe, oh, heaven can wait? Forget about stepping into God's promises today. Forget about, uh, about stepping into His purpose. Forget about being, uh, um, um, being someone that God wants to use to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Forget about that. Heaven can wait. Or do you believe that, oh, you know, I think I am going to heaven. I think I've done enough for Malapuff. See, what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. You know, when I was 16 years of age, I remember I was at this party. And back then, you know, we'd just go hang out with our boys. Boys. we just do what boys do. Whatever that is. But, you know... At the end of these parties, people would they'll just go till they pass out. For me, I always went back home because my, my nana was at home. I never wanted my nana to worry about me. So the love of my nana always brought me home. And this particular night, I, I remember this night. And, and as I was heading home, and there's this park, and it's called David Longy Park. And I normally I cross this park to get home. Something inside of me, first time ever, honestly, never had this before. Something inside of me told me, don't go through this park. Don't go through this park. I don't know what it was, so I went the long way, and I walked along the streets, and I got home. The next day, there's a phone call. It's my boys are on the phone, and they're, they're like agitated, and, they're like, and I was like, hey, man, what's wrong? What's going on? And they're like, hey, man, did you hear? And I said, hear what? I just woke up. It's 10.30 Sunday. What else would we be doing on a Sunday? And they said, man, someone died in the park. Someone got killed. And I found out that the guy that got killed, his name was Danny Sukuna. He was only 15 years of age. And he had passed through the park, and he was murdered in the park. And at that moment, I knew without a shadow of doubt that if I had died, I was going to hell. I don't know how I knew. I knew I was going to hell. I knew I was going. I knew hell was for real. And I knew that I was going there. But honestly, this day, the only reason why that I'm still alive, as I believe, honestly, is because my, I knew my grandmother was praying. My nana was praying, Lord, protect my boy. And I'm standing here today. I don't know why God chose me and not Danny. I don't know why God chose me and not Danny. But I know this, I have to make my life count. I don't just live for me. 
that God has called me to tell you heaven is for real. God's love is for real. His forgiveness is for real. And He wants to dwell with you. This is His heart. This is God's heart. He wants to dwell with you. He wants you to see His face. Because heaven is for real. You know, after that encounter, I knew I had to change him. And, I, and I'd started praying, and I didn't even know how to pray. I'm like, this is this man upstairs. And, and I prayed just two things. This is what my prayer life was like. Lord, protect my, my nana and protect my dog. And those are the only thing, at that time, that was the only thing that mattered to me in the world, was my nana and my dog. But I don't know what to do next, you know, because what do you do? You know, I, need, I, know, I know I need a change. What do we do now? And I, and I live like this. Two years passes and I get invited to something like this. It was, it was a youth event. And when I got invited to that place, I encountered God. I en- encountered the maker. And in that place, I found what I had been looking for. I had this gaping hole in my heart. I was trying to fill it with whatever the world would give me, but it would never satisfy. It was like this bottomless pit. It had an appetite and it could never fulfill this appetite until the love of God came in and the presence of God and God began to dwell in my heart. And I stand here today because if God can change me, He can change you, He can change anybody. You know, I thought that I found God, but honestly, God found me. He forgave me. He loves me. And He loves you. He loves you. He wants to dwell with you. You know who the most important person, people in this room is? The most important person in this room is not the pastor. He's way back down the end somewhere. I don't know where. It's not the pastor. It's not the worship team, even though he's good looking on the keys at the back there. It's, it's not even the Christian that's followed God, Jesus for the, all their life. They're not even important to God right here, right now. The person who is important to God is the person who is far away from Him. The person who, who, whose destination is destruction, an eternal destination. They are the most important person, people to the heart of God. They are who God always thinks about. They are the people that are always on His mind. Don't get me wrong, He loves you. You know, this truth really hit home last year when, when, when our grandson escaped out of a house. We know that well, eh, Price? <laughs> but you know what? When you lose somebody, oh, yeah, don't get it, we loved all our children. It was like, well, you know, Price has two kids, at least 50% is okay. We got one, that's okay, you know. We didn't think like that. We, we, we stopped and we, we traveled, we went different places. Your mind just does crazy, weird things, and, and you're thinking, you think the worst. <laughs> But the most important person to us at that time was getting our, finding our grandson. Was finding our grandson was the most important part. If my son came up to me and said, Dad, Dad, what's for dinner tonight? I'm like, are you kidding me? You asking me what's for dinner? You, you asking me right here, right now? That's not important. I mean, it is important at nighttime, but it's not important right now. I love you, but you're not important to me right now because I know where you are. What's important to me is our getting our grandson home. He is the most important thing to us at this moment. Let me tell you, the most important person to God right now is somebody who is lost. When you find Jesus, when you find salvation, God gives you an assignment. 
And your assignment is to tell people about the love of God, that heaven is for real, that hell is for real, that God's love is for you, and God wants to dwell with you. So if you're here this morning and you don't know where you stand, on the outside of eternity, you don't know whether you stand on destruction or heaven, you don't know that, you are most important to God right now. You need to make a decision. If you're ready to leave your life of sin, you say, God, I've tried that, it's never fulfilled. Let me tell you something that does work is the love of God. Because God will change you. He will give you purpose and a hope. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're if you're ready to leave your life a sin and accept this gift that what Jesus did for you on the cross, you need to make that decision right here, right now. Right here, right now. To God, you mean the most to me right here, right now. Come on, won't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, you mean the most to me right now. I've tried to do things my own way. I've tried to go the other way. But in this place, I feel like I'm home. And the reason why I feel like I'm home is because my Father is here who never stopped looking. Lord Jesus, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Take this heart. Take this heart, Lord, and make it new. It's yours. I'll pour it out. It's yours. Lord, I give you my all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand.